Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder! episode of our main show, uh, coming at you on a slightly different day, uh, just a few days late. Uh, nonetheless, it's still very main and very showy uh, as we sit down today to discuss some droids. I am your herd leader, John Wayne. I'm standing. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're definitely sitting. Uh, yes, I'm very comfy. Um, I'm your herd mom, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> um, In case you didn't tell. And yeah, as we kind of talked about uh, yesterday when we released the Clone Wars rewatch, um, life got crazy. Um, and, you know, of course the holiday. So, uh, we didn't want to skip the main show. We didn't want to postpone since we have a pretty full schedule, um, from now to the end of the year. So there really wasn't a lot of moving around that wouldn't have involved cutting a show that we'd already discussed and worked on and everything. So, uh, here we are making sure that you get that and that the rest of the year's worth of podcasting uh, stays on track. So, there you go. Um, and, you know, better late than never, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, it, it gives you the same number of episodes and content and whatnot. Um, just means that uh, you listen to us on a slightly different day. Um, but luckily with us only doing three episodes a week, you should be able to catch up. Uh, pretty well, unless you're like us and Rebecca, who listen to far more uh, podcasts than are healthy, uh, and are just <laughs> constantly behind. But anyway, we'll be we'll be happy to sit in your in your uh, queue and in your in your playlist and wait for you, and then we'll just jump right in your ears and fill you with Star Wars goodness. Wow, that was wow. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, as I mentioned today, we're talking about droids. Um, recently, a book about droids, Droidography, was released, and so we've used that as both a means of research and also a jumping-off point to kind of talk about droids, uh, the history of droids, the characters, um, our favorites, uh, and just uh, just have some good conversations about those buckets of bolts. Um, <laughs> droids are very central and very closely. Um, related with uh, Star Wars, and so um, just as much as we would sit and talk about Sith and Jedi, and I mean, even in a couple weeks, we're going to sit down and talk about bounty hunters. Yeah. You know, you can't exactly miss out on sitting down and talking about droids, especially since, as we're going to see, so many of them are so colorful in their character and whatnot. So, um, and some of our favorite characters are droids. Yeah. So, um, and we know from interacting with you guys, quite a few of you enjoy droids as well. Some of the, you know, widely known and accepted ones, and some of the more obscure ones. And so hopefully we'll talk about a good majority. You know how it goes. We try to talk about as much as we can uh, in the time that we have so that we don't uh, take too much of your day. Yes, uh, and I will restrain myself in talking about my favorite droid. 
Because yes, that's coming. There, there's a couple of droids that are exempt from this episode yes. simply because they're going to appear on our Bounty Hunters episode. Yes, and so, there will be a reckoning. Um, but you only have two weeks to wait for that. So if you love yeah. Bounty Hunters and, um, and the like, then come back then uh, to hear that episode. Uh, but that's not this episode. This episode is droids. And we'll get to droids uh, in just a moment. But before we get there, we have news. Alright, so we're going to have to be very careful with the news that we we don't disturb the cat. Yes. It's currently very, very near the recording <laughs> space. Both of them, really. Uh, both are rather determined to be involved, so. Yeah. Uh, but we can't afford to pay them, because you guys aren't supporting us on Patreon, so. Ooh, uh, that was, wow. Yeah. Send right. our cats to college so they can get a job and start supporting us. <laughs> Uh, that minor guilt trip aside. Anyway, news. <laughs> First off, John, what were you thankful for this Thanksgiving? Oh my goodness. Um, this is a sidebar. Yeah, uh, it is, because I want to talk to you about it. thankful for lots of rest and time with family. Um, yeah. This is the first time in probably ten years that I've had more than just Thanksgiving Day with family. Normally, immediately after, I have to go back to work. Yeah. Um... But I was able to enjoy Thursday, Friday, and Saturday off with um, my other mother and with you. Yes, no um, button eyes included. And so, and, and that was it. I mean, we just chilled out and had a good time and yeah. uh, relaxed, even in, in, in spite of you going to the doctor. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, I just en I enjoyed being able to have time. Mm -hmm. I was really thankful for that. You know what I'm thankful for? What? John, do you have a butt for <laughs> I'm not answering that question. <laughs> I finally got that joke to work. That's what I'm thankful for. <laughs> so annoying. By the way, the, the, what happens with that joke is you ask someone, do you have a butt for? And they're supposed to ask, what's a butt for? And you say, it's for pooping, silly. <laughs> it only works on children. And Melinda. And Melinda. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other mother. But yeah, um, that, that made me... That made me giggle for a good 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. this, That's when we knew you were holiday. feeling better. Yes. Um, shall we get into what this show is actually about? Yes. Why, why not? <laughs> um, so, let's get into the data dump. Gaming news. John, get ready to get excited. Yeah. Because Obi-Wan and Geonosis are coming this week. Yes, they are. This Finally. Week. What day this week? I believe Wednesday. Oh. I, I can't quickly get to Twitter <laughs> to uh, double-check that, but uh, yeah. yes, Wednesday, I believe. Um, and if you find it in the time where I keep talking about other things, then you can update later. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah so it, it's coming out. We get Obi-Wan, we get Geonosis, we get um, the 212th Clone Battalion as well. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be able to afford them and Obi-Wan. I'm going to just jump for Obi-Wan and I'll get the clones when I can. Um, I haven't been farming credits as much as I could or, or sh as much as I should have. Uh, I couldn't because I, I just don't have the time for it really. Um, yeah. I did get on today and played some Battlefront with Ryan. Uh, I found out that he's far better than me at <laughs> Starfighter Assault, um, which isn't very difficult, but uh, had fun with that. Um, if you're a Battlefront player, um, keep it a look Keep an eye out on our Twitter. I'll announce sometimes when I go on to play. 
especially next weekend when I start to play Geonosis, if you want to join in. I don't have a mic or anything, but we can definitely play together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and this is a great way to build up to when we eventually start doing uh, gaming live streams after the first of the year and whatnot. So, yeah. Uh, there's not a whole lot to say. I mean, we did get some information on Obi-Wan um, as a character for the game. I can already imagine how they're going to have to tweak some of his abilities by the sounds of them. Um, they sound very um, true to his character, but uh, until gameplay gets involved, I'm not really seeing how they're going to be uh, done well. Yeah. They just sound like a cause for a little bit of tweaking down the road, and, and that comes along... They've been amazing with, um, you know, the fixes and tweaks uh, with, in almost immediately after they're found um, with updates. And so uh, I'm sure that it's going to go very well. Um, Geonosis gets a five-day uh, marathon. So if you play Galactic Assault, you're going to get nothing but Geonosis for five days. And that's going to be good. You're, you're gonna, it, it sounds like that's a lot and you're going to get sick of it, but trust me, from the way this game mode sounds, you're going to need both the time to get acquainted, but you're also going to want the time mm. to play. Uh, it sounds like it's its its own amazing map and gameplay, and so it's going to be completely different from, I think, most other Galactic Assault maps. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely excited about it. You know what I'm not excited about? What? <laughs> I'm so sad about... Fallout 76. Oh, yeah. I was, I was so hoping. I really was. But I'm afraid to play it because of all the negative reviews. I mean, you might like it for yourself, and if so, that's great. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, you know, it. the reviews are something to be careful of. There's still horrible reviews of Battlefront out there that yeah. y you have to play. Like, you can't... You, there's a point when you can't keep taking reviews as the only uh, authority of a good game or not a good game. Yeah. You know. Some so. people are just bitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, now that that sadness is out of the way, <laughs> uh, let's move on to comic news. And a little more sadness there. <laughs> oh, boy. We can't escape it. Yeah, this, it's kind of old news at this point, but, you know. Most of this is because we're late. Yeah. Uh, in posting this, but... Yeah. Uh, Chuck Wendig's Shadow of Vader series was cancelled after being left in the air when Wendig was unexpectedly fired by Marvel. I'm failed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wendig had completed... Wendig had completed the first three issues of a five-issue series that would have detailed the effects that... Va the effects Vader had through various interactions with the characters. As of now, there is no there is no indication. I can't read today, if it will be revisited or if it is completely unsalvageable. I kind of expected that. Yeah. Um, I, I I had hoped that they would just finish the final two yeah. issues and release the series, but there may be some legal tie-ups with why they can't. They may not be able to, yeah. um, uh, because they fired in. Uh, you know. Uh, yeah, this is really disappointing. Yeah, I mean, you know, Chuck Wendig is a very um, polar uh, mm -hmm. topic. Yeah, um, he's very outspoken. You either love him or you hate him is what I've discovered, um, and I really hate that because 
I do love him. I do love uh, his books and his writing and his work. Uh, I was yeah. very much looking forward to this, especially after he did a one-shot Vader issue um, not long ago. So he proved he could write well for Vader and everything, so... Yeah. Um, you know, and I personally never felt affected by any of his um, comments on social media or anything. I felt that that was just his opinions, and some of them I didn't necessarily disagree with. Uh, a big thing was how fans felt he was treating them. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those instances where when he's talking about a certain group of people uh, and a certain group of uh, negative and toxic people, um, you know, having the wherewithal to recognize whether or not he's talking about you. Like, if you're a negative and toxic person to the Star Wars fandom, then yeah, he's probably talking about you. If you're not, then he's probably not talking about you. Yeah. Um, but he was very outspoken um, to those toxic fans uh, that treated him very poorly uh, for his writing and for his, his views and opinions and whatnot. So I think a big implosion of it came from people misunderstanding who exactly he was talking about sometimes. Yeah. But, um, I mean, because it's the same argument of when someone says, you know, oh, you men do this all the time, and it's like, you know, a man wants to get offended by that remark, and it's like, well... First of all, you could get mad because she generalized, but are you one of those men? No. Yeah. Then she's not talking about you. Exactly. Uh, We're just, not talking about all men sometimes. We're just talking about the ones who do those sort of things. It, exactly. You know, and so, I mean, it's a... Uh, now, do I think he could have probably handled, handled his social media presence better? Yeah, probably, but I don't think he does necessarily deserve to be fired over it, especially no. since I've seen content creators doing much more malice things than he and they continue to have uh, very good jobs yeah so um you know and and then it becomes i don't feel like anything he did again was very ne negative enough to warrant separating him from star wars um i felt that everything he represented was himself and he was very clear about that yeah um and i didn't feel like there was a way to confuse that that he was somehow speaking for Star Wars as a whole, or for Marvel as a whole. Yeah. Um, now, he was fired by Marvel, so it could mean that he could go on to work again with Lucasfilm itself. You know, there's just a whole lot of stuff tied up in the unknowns of this. Um, and unfortunately, a victim of that was this, what sounded like a great series. Oh yeah, it sounded awesome. So, but, yeah. Nah. Dance. Yeah. On a lighter note, uh, the rumor train is chugging along for TV news. Uh, so far, it has been floating around that Gina Carano is joining Pedro Pascal in The Mandalorian. Gina is recently notable for her role in Deadpool as Angle Dust. <laughs> That's literally how it is in the notes, babe. Well, I'm <laughs> sorry that it's two words that are just one slightly lettered different. <laughs> Dang it. I love Angel Dust. Angel Dust. And she also appeared in Fast and Furious 6. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Likewise, it is rumored that Carl Weathers and John Leguizamo are also going to be in the show. Yes? Please. <laughs> I want to see John Leguizamo in Star Wars. That would be great. I love John Leguizamo. I love him so much. He has a new show out uh, called Latin History for Morons, I think. Oh. 
Heard great things. I am excited to watch it. The thumbnail is him dressed up as Frida Kahlo. (laughs) So I'm into it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, None of this comes directly from Lucasfilm and should be taken purely as rumors as of now. Um, We are not reporting it as if it is happening, but we did want to talk about the possibilities if it does end up to be true. Yeah. Speculate responsibly. Yeah. That's, um, uh... Big, uh, uh, Four Center. Four Center. Four Center Podcast. It's too many um, podcasts. Yeah, so many. Uh, so many. That That's why we're so small. Um... I'm very small. <laughs> I'm only... I'm really? Uh... Now I'm doing it. <laughs> th- this is one of those things where it's kind of news, um, but, you know, we aren't saying anything definite. Uh, but it's interesting to think about. Um, I would definitely like if Gina is cast um, in some, you know, sort of rough and gruff uh, female role, especially right. if she is a partner or um, rival to the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's very formidable. I mean, she has a background in, in um, MMA and, and whatnot. So, I mean, she's she's got some intimidation uh, in, in her uh, profile. And so... I think she would be a great villain or a great um, mm-hmm. muscle uh, oh, yeah. to the character, especially if he does end up with a kind of gang, which I do imagine happening down the road. Yeah, um, she's riding Deadpool. Yeah, so I can see her going uh, either either way, part of part of the gang or uh, a, as a rival. Um, I the first thing I thought with John Linguinzamo is he's probably some like weapons dealer or some barkeep or something like some cantina owner or something uh or i mean now you know it's it's star wars uh you know alan tudyk was in rogue one but he was a voice so uh it's also very possible that any of these characters could also not be themselves Mm -hmm. uh they could be a droid they could be an alien um who knows um i want to see more aliens yeah it would be nice uh, John Leguizamo is a great character actor. Uh, he proved wait. that in Spawn, I think, especially. Um, and so, I mean, he he's so lost in that character. So, yeah. I think he's proven that he he's got caliber acting for that sort of thing. Yeah. You want you want you want you want to know what one of my favorite John Leguizamo parts is? What? Luigi. Was that him? Yeah. Oh gosh. I. Poor guy. Okay, hold on. <laughs> it's not a good movie. It's not a good movie, but I love it nonetheless. That's fine. I, I, yes, that's fine. He should have uh, That's off. like it's fine to like this holiday special, but you have to acknowledge that it's not a great movie. Yes. Um, you know, no, so, but uh, Carl Weathers, I'm not really sure. Um, eh. I don't know what he could participate in. Uh, it, it, you know, all. I, it seems like Gina's more likely uh-huh. than. Carl Weathers or uh, John Leguizamo, just because of how many outlets are reporting it. Yeah. Um, the other two seem to be very minor and very whispered rumors, whereas Gina seems to almost be, for all intents and purposes, most people are already considering her part of the show. So, which... Yeah. It was rumored Pedro Pascal was, but then it was all of a sudden confirmed, so... That was the most country pronunciation of Pedro. 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 <laughs> uh, so... Nonetheless, it's interesting. Interesting to think about. Hey, John. Hi. Hey. Hi. You like Disney? I do, obviously. Me too. You like Star Wars? Duh. That's why we're doing a Star Wars podcast right now. Oh, is that what this is about? 
I don't know. Sometimes we get lost. I thought this was a cupcake podcast about cupcakes, but okay. (laughs) You want to see those two together? Star Wars and cupcakes? Sure. I mean, there might be cupcakes at Galaxy's Edge. I don't know. Oh, Disney and Star Wars. Oh, yes. I'd love to see that. I can't wait to collect that little Star Wars mug. The Galaxy's Edge one. Oh, yeah. Oh, or Starbucks. Star Wars. Star Wars. Starbucks. The one that we have from Epcot. Yeah, the park park cup. Yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. (laughs) So, we got some updates on Galaxy's Edge in the way of a little promo video that made me pee my pants. (laughs) <laughs> and it was on the Disney Parks blog. Um, the videos show very little, but give us an idea of the set and the aesthetic of the Smuggler's Run Millennium Falcon ride. That's so exciting. And the Rise of the Resistance interactive experience. We also got to hear some of the music being composed by John Williams for the park with shots of the construction, and it is so exciting. It's so exciting. It is. Don't break your iPad. I'm trying. Um, yeah, it's really great, and, you know, I mean, it's not in and of itself completely revealing. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to see something, like, we are confirmed for full-size AT-ATs. Yeah. And the, uh, Rise of the Resistance, uh, I don't want to call yeah. it a ride so much, because it doesn't sound like a ride. Yeah. Uh, but it's not necessarily, it's not VR. An interactive experience. Yeah, um, so. Which, there's kind of... No, it's not life size, but there's an ATAT outside of the, uh, outside of yeah. Star Tours. Star Tours. Yeah, no, that's not full size. No, I think that's maybe no it maybe thirty feet tall. Fun um, fact: If you're gonna meet an Ewok at Disney, they're under the ATAT. Yes, for for special events and weekends, that's where you can meet yeah. them. They are so soft. Um, but. Yeah, the I'd, I'd say it's probably 30, 35 feet. Yeah. Um, these are supposedly full-size, 75-foot walkers. Uh, obviously yeah. non-functional, but they are part of the uh, experience as you, uh, as a resistance uh, group, infiltrate mm-hmm. a first-order ship. Yeah. Um, in, a, in a smuggler's run, you, you're hired by Hondo to complete a, a um, mission, and it takes one of three uh, different uh, scenarios uh, to complete and, and such. So we get glimpses of that. We hear this amazing John Williams music, this emotion-invoking uh, score uh, overcut with also scenes of just um, how it's coming along. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's uh, almost there. Already. So, yeah. you know, this time next year we'll be experiencing it. Um, maybe not us, but people will be. Yeah. We hope to experience it by then, but who knows. Uh, we're already jumping in for celebration early in the year, so who knows when we'll exactly get to Galaxy's Edge. Yep. Um, but nonetheless, this time next year, there will be a little piece of Star Wars in Florida. And so that's, that's amazing to think about for sure. If you want to, um, you can look up. Uh, the Smugglers Run, Millennium Falcon Ride, or Rise of the Resistance. There's trailers, there's like 30 second trailers for it on YouTube, um, posted by Star Wars and Disney. You can also find the John Williams Galaxy's Edge score on YouTube, posted by Star Wars as well. I really recommend checking it out. It's a beautiful uh, score uh, and is is definitely indicating that it'll be quite emotional. Yeah. For a first-time experience. Oh, so. yeah. We were talking... I We've said it before, but 
the second you walk into the Millennium Falcon, I'm going to have to carry it's you It's not out. even going to be that. I it's mean, not even. Because <laughs> it's going to be multiple breakdowns because, you know, you... Supposedly the way we understand it working is you see the Falcon from the outside. You yeah. get that sort of solo a Star Wars story moment when Han first comes around and sees it. Um, and then you're taken downstairs um, below below the deck of the hangar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then through Disney magic, it's meant to uh, simulate that the Falcon has descended as well. Yeah. It's not, it's a separate piece where you'll then enter the interior of a Falcon pod where uh, what it looks like is you'll walk through uh, parts of it to the, it won't just oh, yeah. be the cockpit. It, you, you'll, you'll, yeah. uh, because part of it, part of the ride involves two pilots, two gunners, and two engineers. So it's completely possible that a good section of the Falcon could be in each pod. Like, yeah. it's a lot to think about. But it could be. Um, I, I just can't imagine as a gun... Like, if you think about the Falcon's cockpit, you know, they want this to feel real. There's not that many seats in the cockpit. Now, you could have two engineers which are supposed to fix things in the cockpit, and you can which have two pilots. That's what I will be doing. <laughs> but two gunners, they belong in the gunner seats, which are a section in the middle of the ship. So it could potentially involve that entire walkway section. Yeah. I, I don't, we don't know yet. Uh, nonetheless, though, yeah, you, yeah. you enter in and see the Falcon, and that is going to be crazy. I'm probably going to be crying as I'm flying it, yeah, um, or as I'm shooting TIE Fighters or Space Slugs. Yeah, you know. there's going to be a point, definitely, when we walk in, and I'm just going to be like, Oh, John, look at all this cool stuff. John? Yeah, I'm just going to You're be... on the floor, <laughs> hugging the floor. Yeah, uh, I'm just... I can't believe it! <laughs> Um, I'm going to be crying no matter what I'm doing. Um, yeah. I'm going to try to get your reaction when you first see I, the Falcon. I saw the, when we first went to Disney last year, I saw the First Order and instantly started crying. I cried when I first watched the Galaxy Far, Far Away show where the different characters pop up. And, it's beautiful. Uh, you know, so much of it is just so emotional for me because it's yeah. so meaningful. So I can only imagine how much more of yeah. an impact Galaxy's Edge is going to have, so... And I know I'm not the only one. Yeah. It's like, you remember the first time you saw me cry at Disney was when we walked down Main Street, and Mm -hmm. it was like the first time in years and years and years that I'd been on Main Street, and I just start completely blubbering Mm -hmm. because of the nostalgia, and oh my god, I'm at Disney. Yeah, it's, it's a magical place. You know, I mean, it sounds like a good marketing term, but it's really true that Disney... Disney is a magical place, and it, it, really it manages is. to capture this wonder and emotion and beauty that only Disney could capture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it incorporates great things that we love, like princesses and heroes and, uh, you know, uh, fairy tales, but also, in this case, Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, which is, yeah, it's just amazing. It's definitely amazing. Yeah. Well, that's about it for the news. You ready yes. to get into it, John? I think so. All right. Now on to our main topic, as we mentioned um, before. The book Droidography uh, was released recently. I believe it was uh, November 6th. Uh, It was early in this month. It's been out a while, uh, but because uh, Women of the Galaxy uh, and Scum and Villity had also released um, just the week prior, uh, we pushed back. We had to push back uh, when we would be doing this episode. Uh, But we finally got there. 
Yeah. Um, so hopefully you've gotten the book and have read through it and are looking forward to some tidbits and uh, details that we'll kind of talk about and some characters. Uh, if you haven't read it, maybe us discussing some of these characters and uh, some of the lore and information uh, and whatnot will inspire you to go get it. It's a really fun book. Uh, it's a very different. You know, we talked about how different Scum and Villainy was uh, in its presentation of information. It wasn't just a, a visual dictionary. It wasn't just the typical, here's a bunch of information and facts. Uh, but it presents it in a in an di interesting way. Um, you know, it's narrated by Roger. Roger, Roger. From the Freemakers Adventures show, uh, which is a fun show if you haven't watched it. It, it is a bit more kiddie than Clone Wars or Resistance. I'll um, tell you that now. But it is fun. It's really yeah. great. Um, and I mean, it's Lego. Yeah. Uh, how can you hate Lego? Uh, and the big highlight of the show for me is always Roger. Um, he's my favorite part Roger. of the show. And I love how featured he's been recently with uh, this book and with uh, the Lego All-Stars uh, miniseries and whatnot. So uh, it's narrated by Roger, uh, which is fun um, because you're not only getting information, but you're also getting his uh, details and opinion mixed in. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that anything isn't in it isn't accurate information. It just means you're getting information plus commentary. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just it's really fun. Which I like those kinds of books. Um, it doesn't cover all the droids. Um, there are several. That that would not be impossible, but uh, this is not a a long and extensive book. There may be. Uh, a volume two that would be uh, nice. I'd like that. Yeah. Um, because there are certainly more droids that they could cover, um, but uh, definitely I think it's got enough information uh, and covers the the main characters, uh, main droid characters um, that we do and would think of, and there's also some that we probably might not have thought of um, or might not have heard of in some cases. Yeah. So all that to say, great book worth going and checking out. Ours was only, I think, sixteen ninety nine from Barnes & Noble. Yeah. I don't know if that was the full price, but uh, regardless, you can definitely find it for a discounted price uh, out there somewhere. Yeah, I mean, we have our membership, and then also we have a friend. Right. <laughs> so, um, nonetheless, I mean, 20 bucks should get you this book, and, yeah. it, and you'll love it. It'll be a fun inclusion, especially if you read books with your kids or, um, or with your uh, teens. Uh, this is... It, it's a good young reader's book, but it's not to say that an adult couldn't enjoy it. We enjoyed it. Yeah, we're probably going to get an extra one for a gift for our, a little Star Wars nerd that we know. Yeah, and and it it fits perfect with uh, a, that age range, I would say. Six yeah. and up, this should work. Uh, so the book is written by Mark Summerack, um, and uh, when I actually tweeted about us doing an episode on this, he actually liked that. Sick. I'm not really sure how he found our tweet, but... Unless he was just casually searching for hashtag droidography. But, you know, could that could be. Uh, but I really appreciated that. Um, it's beautifully illustrated by uh, Joel Hustack, Massimo Tra... Oh, my gosh. Travaglini? Uh, that's... I'm gonna like I'm going to say it like that. And Ariana Sabella. I apologize if those were butchered. Um, I'm, I'm just not literate in names that are not Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, My name is Megan. Uh, right. Uh, moo. <laughs> there you go. That, um, close enough. Yeah. Uh, good enough. And, yeah, it's narrated by, uh, Roger, 
and it's just a really good book. So what we're going to kind of do is we're going to kind of, you know, a big part of what we like to do is we, do, we like to have fun and give commentary and opinion and um, discuss things. Um, and in that, we hope that you guys have fun, are entertained, but also educated. Yeah. Uh, this is an episode edutainment. of... Edutainment. Edutainment. Uh, this is an episode that will lean more towards education, um, just because it's a lot of it's a lot of facts, it's a lot of details. But yeah. hopefully, I mean, we'll still be having conversations freely as well, and yeah. so hopefully you enjoy that amalgamation of content. Um, it's similar to what we did for Women of the Galaxy, although this is a bit more refined of a process, and this is what Women of the Galaxy Part 2 will be more like in our breakdown of characters and whatnot. Um, so, that, that, that's the view of the book, um, and from here we're going to kind of talk about different, uh, details of what a droid is, and also different models of certain droids, and from there, break it down further of, uh, some of our favorites of these types of droids and whatnot. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully you are buckled in, you got your blue milk, and you're ready for the ride. Buckle your seatbelt. We're not going anywhere till you buckle your seatbelt, Stephanie. Honestly. Alright, so, John, what is something that bothers me when people talk about Star Wars? Uh, when people don't respect the character of Amalyn Holdo? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but also, it bugs the crap out of me when people refer to R2 and C-3PO as robots. Ah, uh, yes. That, they, that thing. They are not robots, they are droids. They but are John, droids. What's a droid? Uh, are not a robot, clearly. Yes. <laughs> you had the answer and you gave it back to me. Thank you. Yep. Um, according to Roger, the book, and the book, droids are artificially intelligent mechanical life forms who complete tasks deemed too dangerous, difficult, or time-consuming for organics. So not a robot. Robots are autonomous. They have no emotion. Right. A robot would be the um, machinery and whatnot that make droids. Yes. But but these droid the, the key factor of a droid is that they're independent. Not yes. necessarily that they don't have programming or anything, but that they can operate on their own. They don't need um, simplistic uh, programming, you know, directing them. They can make decisions. They can think, yeah. uh, although Obi-Wan in Episode 2 claims that droids can't think. But they can clearly think. They yes. clearly show t signs of uh, artificial intelligence and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so. you, know what else, you know what else bothers me? What? That the Red Ribbon Army, they have androids, They're air quotes. cyborgs. They're cyborgs. But androids that's not just sound cooler. Yeah, Android 18, Cyborg 18. It just sounds cooler. Yeah. Kerlin's wife. There you go. Yep. Um, so, droids are manufactured by large companies that come in all sorts of shapes and sizes with varying tasks. And droids develop personalities from their programming as well as their interactions, which explains why R2 is very sassy. Mm-hmm. Um, as we discussed, not two, no two droids are quite the same. Droids are identified by five classes. Class 1 droids are medical, physical, analytical, and science droids. Class 2 are engineering and technical sciences. Class 3 are skilled, service, and social sciences. 
Class 4 are military and security tasks, and Class, fi class 5 are hard labor and miscellaneous basic functions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, there's quite a few different types of droid. Yeah, um, and, you know, again, we're going to kind of cover the highlights um, yeah. because of time, but, you know, they go into detail of other things. We, you know, we're, we're not going to talk about um, surveillance droids or labor droids uh, extensively. We're not going to talk about pilot droids or anything like yeah. that. Uh, so there's several classes and types uh, and uh, models that we won't cover here that are out there, uh, and, and that's part of why this book doesn't... Compile everything because there's just a little too much. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, but anyway, we got to start somewhere. So why not start with astromech droids? Yeah. Um, astromechs range over a variety of models, as we'll see. Um, but the R series is the most popular and standard um, that we would come to think of with astromech. Uh, so much so that some would believe that. Uh, droids like BB-8 aren't quite an astromech, but they are. Yeah. Um, the book doesn't really clear up why they're called the R-Series, uh, but it does run down their various features and equipment, like their computer interface arm, their gas torch, their grasping arm, their buzzsaw arm, their uh, propulsion jets, all kinds of stuff. Um, all of which make these droids very useful for repairs, operating ships, or downloading or uploading information. Um, astromechs are seemingly the everything kind of droid. They can kind of just do whatever you need, um, and there's very little they can't help with. Um, and so they're the kind of droids, I think, that started with the idea of a specific task but grew beyond to becoming a multifunctional droid, a, a kind of all-life-encompassing droid. Like, if you need help, get an astromech. Get help. Throw the droid at the enemy, and they will get help. They're, those things are heavy. R2's <laughs> heavy. I'd imagine that would be an effective weapon. I have no idea how Poe seems to lift uh, BB-8. Um, BB-8, I imagine, probably is only about maybe 90 pounds or so. I, I mean... That's about the size of a Labrador. Yeah. I, I mean, Oscar Isaac seems fit enough to at least lift that. Yeah, he is. Because, I mean, the thing is, they're meant to be efficient and compact as opposed to the other ones. Mm. So, I'd imagine that They'd be 100 pounds or less, I guess. But the R-Series droids are definitely probably closer to 200 pounds. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just sitting, like, you know, dead weight. Uh, so, Astromechs, R-Series. Popular R-Series uh, droids, uh, obviously, yeah. uh, would be R2-D2. Yeah. Um, R2-D2 began as a simple uh, onboard... Uh, ship mechanic and attendant. Uh, he's kind of a, in, in an engineering capacity on the uh, Queen's Naboo Starfighter in uh, The Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. um, from there, he, you know, works his way to becoming very close to Padme after the, he saves them, and that brings him along all kinds of adventures until he eventually passes to uh, Padme and Anakin's son, Luke, becomes involved with uh, the Rebellion and whatnot, and is still around um, to the day of Luke and his New Jedi Order until he goes into a depressive self-shutdown uh, after Luke disappears. And, and it also indicates that that's also involved because he felt uh, inferior to the newer models of droids. He felt like he wasn't very useful anymore. Yeah. So he kind of just decided to stop and um, basically dreamed. 
he he uh, went over the data that he compiled over all these years because he's never um, dealt with a memory wipe. Yeah, which was real smart. Well, that's where his personality arguably comes from. So yeah. um, we that's... wouldn't have R2 if he had been treated like every other droid. Uh, yeah, that's one of those things, like, that comes up so many times in Star Wars, like, hey, this well, droid has never had his memory. It's like certainly that. dangerous because, you know, I mean, you see a, a big reason that the Republic uh, often discovers the Separatist plans is because they basically, you know, uh, robo-lobotomize uh, a droid or a tactical droid or something yeah. and get the information. So it's actually very um, critical that you know, in wartime, you know, given these droids are so close and compile so much uh, sensitive information, they fr really could, shouldn't be allowed to keep that. No. You definitely. know, it's as dangerous as backing up files, you know, in with the military. Yeah, it's super high-grade firewall, but, you know, it's also still on some CPU somewhere, just waiting to be, you know, pulled. So, uh, but yeah, so all that was still... Uh, in his memory banks, and so he basically just shut down and Remind. ran over all of it, reminisced <laughs> and, and whatnot, and was happy there, and only to come out of his uh, depressive coma when he heard the chance that Luke might be on, yeah. uh, found, might be findable, I yeah. guess. Um, like, can I tell you my favorite R2 moment? What? When he and Luke are on the Falcon and the the Last Jedi. Oh yeah, that's a really he, good one. Like Luke's feeling sorry for himself, and so he starts playing the Hollow of Leia. Yeah. Like that made me cry. Yeah. Well, and you know, and there's so many layers to the emotion in that scene because of uh, Carrie Fisher's passing and whatnot, yeah. and the nostalgia of that first time uh, we get that message uh, and yeah. whatnot. So, yeah, and, and and it's that sort of creativity and personality that we get. From R2 uh, being R2, not having his memory wiped, and basically being shaped and molded by his experiences and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, and so R2 is arguably like no, I mean, no, no droid is like any other droid, as you know, we'll talk about, but you'll never find any droid quite like R2. Definitely. Um, you know, he's probably uh, the face of droids in, in Star Wars, arguably. I mean, oh. You know, C-3PO and R2-D2. Yeah. But R2-D2 is the lovable one. He's the relatable yeah. one, even if you never understand a word he says in binary. You know, all, I mean... He's a potty All mouth. of it. Uh, what, that's been suggested uh, on more than one occasion. Uh, and it's also been suggested that he traded dirty jokes with uh, L3 uh, on the Falcon, so... I like that headcanon. Uh, but yeah, so R2. R2, I mean, we could... Uh, talk for quite a while on R2. I think we could have a whole episode on yes. how we really should thank R2 a lot more, and he needs like 20 medals for his um, involvement <laughs> with saving the galaxy on more than one occasion. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, R2's not the only one of note. Uh, there's also R2KT. Um, this is uh, a real droid. This is a real-life uh, droid, um, in a sense, yeah. Uh, thanks to uh, the Star Wars droid builders. Um, but So it, it was built for the daughter of the 501st founder who was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer back in 2004. And the droid was with her um, until her final days. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, it's gone on to honor her by visiting other sick children as well as being a catalyst to raising millions of dollars for Make-A-Wish and Force for Change and other charities. And KT has also appeared in Clone Wars and The Force Awakens. Um, and so, you know, this is one of those times when, you know, people... When I need to remember how great the Star Wars fandom and Star Wars fans are, I think of this, you know. I think of how much this meant to that girl and how much this has meant to so many others uh, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, uh, it, it's great. Basically, uh, she's a pink version of R2. Um, all of his blue parts are pink. Uh, that was her favorite color. So, uh, it's really special. Yeah. If you ever want, like, to get a little teary-eyed, watch videos about R2-KT. Yeah. Um, and so, more than likely, she'll be with the droid builders at Celebration. I know they're involved in cons everywhere uh, and everything. So, um, really, really awesome thing there. Um, we also have R5-D4, uh, which some people may recognize, but others might not, but R5 is the second astromech we're ever introduced to in A New Hope, and R5 is the red one yeah. um, from the Sandcrawler. Uh, R5 is interesting because of how his seemingly minor appearance inspired several stories, uh, uh, all of which are now, well, not all of which, all Most but of one are, legends. are can uh, legends, sorry. Yeah. All but one are legends. We have a canon story. Uh, they're similar, but thankfully different. Um, one particular one from 1999 featured the droid, uh, who was for some reason called Skippy. Yeah, never um, understood that. It was the 90s. And, uh... <laughs> oh boy, that could cover, the, like, a lot. The droid was somehow Force-sensitive. Uh, this is the only ever case of droid Force-sensitivity, uh, and is thankfully exclusive to Legends. Yeah, wasn't there, like, a thing where he was possessed by a... Force ghost? I don't. Jedi? I don't know the full details. I think it was just him. I think he was. Uh, I. I think what it was is he had a. He just had a vision, randomly of, the future and how important it was that R two go with Luke, and so he faked having a bad motivator, uh, or having a motivator found uh, failure. I have a bad motivator. I know. <laughs> um, wow. But uh, yeah, so, it's it's just weird. Um, from a certain point of view, uh, the book released back in 2017 did, re uh, reveal his canon story, which isn't too dissimilar in the sense that he does come to a realization that R2 has to go with him. Um, but for him, it's more of a memory, uh, revival. Like, he, he, he remembers being part of the rebellion, being, uh, I, I, at least I believe that's kind of where he gets it. Basically, he remembers why it's important that um, R2 complete his mission and decides to sacrifice himself so that R2 can do that. Yeah. And he, as far as I know, he still lived and everything. He went on, he went back to the Sandcrawler and hopefully uh, managed to escape after the Stormtroopers uh, destroyed it. But, yeah. Um, so, it, it's really great. Again, I, I love the book from a certain point of view and his story is one of my favorites. Um, the stories involving the Sandcrawler um, are some of my favorites, especially the Jawa, uh, <laughs> who also involves um, some great writing and storytelling involving R2. So all of that I really recommend reading. Um, but, yeah, it's crazy how 
this little moment got so much storytelling and so much uh, importance and emphasis. Yeah. Um, all because of a bad motivator. All because of a bad motivator. Uh, and lastly is a more recent addition to uh, Astromech lore, and that is R1J5, uh, a.k.a. Bucket, um, from Star Wars Resistance. Mm -hmm. He, is, I mean, he's an R1, um, and he that's seemingly one of the oldest models of the R series, uh, as shown by his exposed parts in 8. I mean, you look at him and clearly seen he's been through some things. He's been around a while. He's not really been well taken care of. Nonetheless, he still has quite a lot of personality. Uh, he's Yeager's uh, mechanic and um, longtime uh, assistant, and so uh, our, our one is kind of... Um, he wears a helmet. Yeah, that's why he gets called Bucket, is because he wears... He, uh, you know, he has a lot of exposed parts. Uh, he doesn't have a canister, or a torso, I guess you would call it. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got a lot of exposed casings and whatnot, and part of that is that he's just got his main sort of droid brain and his um, main uh, photoreceptor, mm -hmm. and so he's really exposed, and so he wears the helmet uh, yeah. in place of a dome. For some reason, he really reminds me of Randy Quaid in Independence Day, just looking at his picture. I don't know why. That's a thing. <laughs> That's an opinion. Yes, um, that does count as an opinion. You know, he he's very in interesting. That's for sure. He's a lot of fun, um, and and so yeah, it, it just a creative way to involve a droid for sure, um, and it's great to see how with um, Bucket and Chopper and the recent additions to the Astromech uh, archetype and character, how they're making them still relevant without making them a repeat of R two. Yeah, um, which is important. You know, and I, th I thought that was the most well done with Chopper, one of my favorite droids in, yeah. in general. Um, he's such a great character as a whole. Um, and so speaking of Chopper, uh, other series of Astromechs include the C1 series. Um, they're the stubbier cousins of the R units, um, and for the most part the two series aren't too dissimilar. R series are simply, uh, they feature more appendages and gear, uh, and seemingly are quicker in their processing power. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, if you have a C1, if you have an R2, um, or an R unit in general, they should be able to accomplish the same things. Um, and Chopper certainly proves that in his appearance in Rebels, that he can keep up with the likes of any other astromech droid. Mm -hmm. um, by the time of the Rebellion, he's already well past his prime, uh, and yet still quite active. Yeah. Um, C-110P, or Chopper, uh, was a grumpy and brash astromech of the Ghost Crew, uh, and Chopper is not quite the anti-R2. Um, we'll talk about that one later. Yep. <laughs> but he's definitely not as chipper and friendly as R2, but he does love his crew, especially Hera, who rescued him from a crashed uh, Y-Wing during the Clone Wars, uh, which is why Chopper has PTSD. He is actually the first droid to feature this sort of uh, character point. Um, you know, it's interesting to think of a droid with PTSD, but uh, he knows that getting... He, he doesn't like getting in droid sockets of starfighters because the last one he was in crashed. Yeah. He almost died. Uh, and so he retains that. He remembers that. He has a fear of those things. Yeah. It's really, really interesting, and it explains a lot of his character um, 
when you learn that about him is that that that's kind of what set Chopper to be a very unstable kind of character. You know, he's very yeah. uh, chaotic sometimes. He's very um, cantankerous, as Dave Filoni would put it. Um, Dave Filoni is the voice of Chopper, by the way. Did not know that. Yep. So, um, but I love Chopper so much uh, because he's, you know, and I love I love R two because he's so not a droid. He's got so much personality. Yeah. And Chopper just one ups that by being an even more bright personality. <laughs> not bright in a positive sense, but yeah. bright in a colorful sense. Yeah. I mean, we see that <laughs> droids. They can have emotions. I mean, we've yeah. said that before. Like, there's that one droid in Jabba's palace that's getting his feet burned. Yeah. And he's screaming. Well, and we hear... I think they have um, programming of what should be pain. Because we, yeah. we uh, hear droids react to that sort of thing multiple times throughout canon and, and whatnot. Sorry. So, um, you know, the only explanation is that for some reason they're programmed to feel uh, pain in a sense of Ooh. acknowledging loss is basically yeah. how they, I imagine their droid brings a process of oh no I lost an arm or oh no you know I'm losing my my yeah. um, painting or whatever you know I, I don't know <laughs> my painting I mean because it'd be like losing the top so layer of skin Yikes. you know so it's kind of like yeah. I think it's I think it's one of those things like oh no something bad is happening to me I need yeah. to you know, because that's basically what pain is for I mean, us. Yeah, and if you imagine, like, dude, if we need a more fitting example of emotion in droids, mm -hmm. you cannot look at C-3PO and say, that dude does not have anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, um, yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, and that's, that's something that Chopper capitalizes on, and is this creativity and uh, idea of you know, how far droid intelligence can go. Yeah. And certainly Chopper, with his fear and with his um, anxiety and with his PTSD, it shows that they can learn and develop these things. Yeah. Um, and it can be as debilitating or uh, shaping as it would be for any person. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it creates who you are. So. Yeah. Remember. Who you are, Chopper. Um, <laughs> now, if you fast forward in the timeline, we see that astromechs have gotten much smaller and cuter. Oh, precious. Uh, the latest evolution of the astromech is the BB series. The BB series can do all that our series could do, except faster and cuter and in a more compact package. That really seems to be all there is to BB units. Mm -hmm. um, so far, there's not a whole lot of uh, background as to why they look the way they do or function the way they do, but there's not really a big reason with the R-series R units either. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely a big shift. You know, you go uh, going from R2 to BB-8 is, is a big change yeah. uh, in aesthetic, for sure. Definitely. Um, and so much like R2 is the poster child for uh, the R-series astromechs, BB-8 is the poster child for the BB-series astromechs. Um, and is the companion of Resistance ace pilot Poe Dameron, as we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and they seem to be fairly widely used, um, especially by the First Order. 
not so much by the resistance. They're actually very expensive, and also um, maintaining them and having parts around for them is very difficult. So the resistance still relies on a lot of our series astromechs and um, your more common astromechs. But there are a few BB uh, units in there other than BB-8. Yes. Uh, funnily, though, BB-8 seems to be one of the only that I've seen. I'm not saying he is the only one, but he's certainly one of the very few that have a domed head rather yeah. than a plate head. Um, yeah. We, most of the others yeah. have plates. I never realized that till just now. Yeah. Um, BB-9E, uh, which is the First Order Black BB-8 version. Yeah. Uh, has the plate head, and that seems to be the common uh, head of other ones. Um, I think the dome was given to make him resemble R2 a little bit more, mm -hmm. uh, but I wonder if there's any special sentiment or uh, detail for having that. Yeah. So, I, don't I don't know. But Maybe he got caught in an air compressor at one point. <laughs> um, but that's Astromex. That's, uh, that's the, uh, the common little buddy of, of most of our galaxy's characters and whatnot. Yeah. Some of them treat, some of our uh, favorite characters treat their astromech droids like puppies at some t at some point. Yeah, I mean they're kind of, I'm, they're equatable to very very intelligent puppies. Yeah. In, in most occasions. Yeah, it's like just precious sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, moving on to protocol droids. Mm -hmm. uh, next to the popular astromech. And the next most used and recognizable droid model is the Protocol Droid. These droids can range from something as simple as a minor labor assistance to translation and supervision. Protocol Droids are useful for their fluency in language and cultures to assist diplomats and politicians with negotiations, as well as helping administrators with calculations and management. I don't know how nice it would be to be followed around by a giant calculator, but who knows. Um, they're even great waiters and attendants, so yet again, they can be widely and variable, variably used. But they are also very known for being uptight, which we see the best example of this is C-3PO, Human-Cyborg Relations. Yep. Yeah. And fluid in over six million forms of communication. Fun fact, he was updated to 7 million by the time of uh, The Force Awakens. That's it. So, um, You've been talking to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, C-3PO was built by Anakin um, from salvaged protocol parts uh, and went on to serve uh, Shmi and the Lars family after Anakin left, only to come back into Anakin's possession. Uh, it is kind of rude that he just kind of stole C-3PO from the Lars yeah. after that. Gave it to his girl. Gave him to his girlfriend. To Bas be like, hey, yeah, yeah Pad have a droid. Padme and Anakin basically swapped because R two technically belonged to Padme. Yeah. Um, and but she gave him to Anakin after the start of the Clone Wars, and mm -hmm. uh, I guess so that she still had an assistant. Three uh, PO was given to her. Yeah. Which, her being a senator, yes, it does come in handy. It is quite useful, and also, the battlefield is no place for C three PO. No. That has been very, very much shown. Um, but uh, he is the only one of the pair of him and R2 that got uh, memory wiped after the events of the Clone Wars and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and then found his way. Uh, he served the Organa family and then found his way back 
uh, with R2 to uh, Luke Skywalker and remained a part of the rebellion onto the New Republic and now into the Resistance and whatnot. Yeah. Um, he's actually proven to be useful on some occasions, especially with the Resistance. He manages a spy network of droids um, that give uh, the Resistance a lot of their information, and so huh. uh, it he's proven useful on those occasions. One of my only favorite C-3PO uh, moments is actually the comic series that came out uh, regarding him uh, alongside The Force Awakens. Uh, it happens prior to that and identifies how he gets his red arm. Yeah. Um, Doesn't he get lost in, like, an acid planet or something? Well, he, yeah, he and a band of droids get, uh, stranded out there, and, um, one droid that he's come to, uh, become friends with sacrifices himself so that our, uh, so that C-3PO can continue, uh, their mission, and, uh, part of the adventure, 3PO loses an arm, and uh, the droid goes out into their acid rain, and then... Uh, 3PO, in memory and honor of him, uh, uses his red arm for a little while. Yeah, 3PO's just like, oh, I need an arm. You have an arm, yoink. Basically. Uh, it's really it's really more meaningful it's than like, I can put it. If you yeah. read the comic, it's actually really good, and it's one of the only times I've been like, wow, I yeah. like C-3PO. In reality, it's kind of like stealing a dead man's shoes. Well, I mean, if he kind of technically gave them yeah. to you. Which, if you've ever played D&D, you've done that quite a few times. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the best parts. I'm going to search the body, please. Yes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, um, C-3PO is kind of the stereotypical protocol droid. He, I think he's a little bit more wound up tight than others, but, um, mm -hmm. you know... Jaboy's got some anxiety issues. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of C-3PO. As we've um, talked about before. You know, I just... And, you know, you can only commend Anthony Daniels for doing such a great job at portraying a very annoying character. Mm. Um, because I'm actually annoyed by him in most instances. So, um, it's not to say that I can't appreciate the character or anything like that. It's just, yeah. overall, he's very, very low on my list of, of characters and whatnot. And uh, in most cases, I'm not the most happy about uh, him being involved or popping up in an, uh, in an episode of Clone Wars or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think the more sparingly he's used, the better. Because yeah. he can just be so overwhelming. But, um, yeah, but that, you know, there's all kinds of other uh, protocol droids out there. There's GC-14 from The Phantom Menace, which is um, the silver uh, C-3PO unit. There's... Yeah. Um, we have a Geonosian uh, protocol droid. Hmm? Isn't that... No, that's that's something else. He has the same head as Forlom. Well, not the uh, same head. Well, he has okay, a similar so head. Um, the Forlom series. We'll talk about the bounty hunter, but they are protocol droids technically. Yeah. Um, except for the one that became a bounty hunter. Um, but the other insect head droids are the um, Death Star droids. Gotcha. Um, or the uh, I want to say RA four sevens. Um, they are Imperial droids, usually used for analytics and stats and uh, management roles, um, and and so... Because, um, like, that's a job that no one wants to do in the Death Star. Just yeah, like, pretty much. Greg, you're in charge of statistics. Yeah. Um, and uh, we also 
have AP5, which is a branched-off model of that series. Yeah. Um, so, you know, all kinds of different protocol droids out there. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite protocol droids is probably AP5 from Rebels. Him and Chopper are a great pair just because, you know, they do... This is probably an unpopular opinion, but they do better what C-3PO and R2-D2 do in their relationship. Wow. In their terms of complementing each other and being a fun pair to follow on an adventure. That is unpopular. Um, I love... I Chopper and AP-5 are such a great um, pairing, and it's only made better that AP-5 sounds like uh, Alan Rickman. So, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I love uh, that. But, anyway, um, so... From protocol droids, we move to labor droids. I'm not going to linger on this. I'm just going to yeah. mention that uh, in this section, we read about the DUM series uh, pit droid. That's D-U-M, by the way. Um, these droids were introduced in The Phantom Menace as many labor assistants, ranging from tasks like shopkeeping to pod racer repair, all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, every model has a poster boy, and pit droids are no different. Mm-hmm. WAC-47, uh, W-A-C-47, is the pilot of D-Squad, a special mission unit of droids, including R2 during the Clone Wars. Sick. WAC is fun. I love WAC. And <laughs> I just, I love pit droids. When I was a kid, my favorite thing to draw of Star Wars was pit droids for some reason. Yeah. I just well, loved drawing them. They were so fun. They're, they're cute. They're great. You can um, knock them on the head, and they'll go down. Yeah, them. I mean, um, they're they're. I'd love to have a couple uh, running around the house, uh, getting things done. Uh, <laughs> the pitter patter of little pit droid feet. Right. Um, I'll tell you what. One day we can dress our kids like pit droids. Just put a plate on their head. <laughs> exactly, and they'll make cute little clicking noises. Yeah. So, um, because of my nostalgia and love for these droids, I just had to mention it, and because. Whack is one of my favorite droids. Yeah. Uh, and also, you're going to talk about my two favorite Death Star droids. Uh, oh, sorry, yes. Yeah. That, yes. <laughs> uh, gonk droids and mouse droids are also considered labor yeah, droids. they're uh, so pretty. Gonk cute. droids are basically uh, walking batteries. Yep. Um, whereas mouse droids, uh, you know what? I don't really remember what exactly they do. I don't think anybody <laughs> does. I think um, they just keep them around because they're cute. <laughs> they're adorable. They're driven by little mice, as we know. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, they're yeah. they're both very adorable. I love gonk droids. Um. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, it's one of those things. Like, I don't. I'm not usually one for like having RC uh, cars and stuff around the house because I think they're just they're dumb. You can trip over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen a lot of BB-8. You know. RC kind of play things. Mm-hmm. I really want a mouse droid. <laughs> they really should just make a mouse Roomba. <gasps> so that way it's actually useful to have around. <laughs> John, I would love that. I would buy a Roomba. <laughs> exactly. I would, I would, buy I would spend so all the money on that. Um, exactly. I'd love that. I love mouse droids so much. So, yeah. so, now that we've talked about the precious, let's move on to the tall precious. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, that's tall, T-O-L. Uh, security droids! Yay! Uh, notable models of this class include the Imperial KX series security droid. Uh, these droids assisted in the early days of the Empire with simple security and policing work on Imperial-controlled planets. 
Uh, we don't know how long these droids were in service to the Empire, but one such droid was reprogrammed and participated in one of the most famous and harrowing rebel miss missions, K2SO. Yeah. Yeah, a tall, sassy boy. Yeah, I love K2. He's fantastic. He's sitting on our... Well, he's lying down now. Yeah, he falls down a lot because he's got yeah. tiny feet. He's got such tiny feet and such long legs. Uh, K2SO was reprogrammed by rebel intelligence agent Cassian Andor uh, and went on to serve with him for some time, long enough for the two of them to develop an adorable relationship and for K2 to develop a notable, sarcastic, and snarky personality. Mm-hmm. Which... I love so That's much. part of the appeal. You know, um, talking about Chopper and Bucket and how they uh, managed to fill the astromech archetype while yeah. not repeating R2. Yeah. Um, I you think, know, like, K2 was a better superhero, in a way. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, in such a different uh, type of droid character, you know, from what you've come to know, I mean... Normally, his role of sarcasm and snark and wittiness would be filled yeah. by a human role. Um, so to have that, you know, and, and he's not doing it um, by accident. He, he's, he knows what he's saying when he's saying certain things. You know, not that he's necessarily thinking, oh, this is going to be funny if I say this. Mm -hmm. But he knows what he's saying when he talks about, you know, uh, when he says certain things to Jin and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so such a different way to approach a droid character for sure yeah uh and you know alan tudyk's performance is great he's the perfect Fantastic. kind of voice for this character um and then also this was a step <clears throat> towards what they accomplished in solo solo managed to do amazing things with oh, yeah. mocap and character performance with um definitely l3 but it really began here with k2 of having al uh alan on stilts and walking around, and then uh, replacing that with K2. You know, the, uh, they managed to get such a great performance out of a uh, digitally created character, essentially. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, what if Alan Tudyk's at Star Wars Celebration? That'd be great. I'm gonna die. Um, I don't know the chances, uh, unless he's just going as a fan. Could be. But it'd definitely be fun. I'd like to meet him. I, I would too. I'd, I'd gift him don't, with a leaf don't with a hole even, in it. <laughs> don't even. Don't even. Don't even. I'm going to throw my box set of Firefly at you. Uh, Curse your sudden but inevitable joke. <laughs> uh, at least K2 didn't die with a pole in his chest. So. No, but he still had a hole in his chest. He had a couple, yeah. <laughs> um, and wow, like, so uh, emotional, too. Yeah. Um, I've one never... Of my, one yeah. of the most emotional... Of Rogue One, I think, was K2. Yeah, like, we were talking... Spoiler after, alert, he dies. Yeah. We were talking <laughs> after um, after we went to see the movie, like, about which death kind of hit us the hardest. My One of mine was definitely Bodhi, because I love I loved him so much. Yeah. And K2, he was probably, like, the next highest on my list. And, you know what, let's just go one to it. <laughs> let's just have a Rogue One podcast. <laughs> But, you know, we, we interrupt this regularly scheduled Dirt Herder <laughs> podcast to introduce Star Wars gushing, uh, uh, Rogue One gushing and love and whatnot. I don't yeah. think anybody would mind. Cheer it! It might deserve better! It's one of our favorite Star Wars movies, for sure. Absolutely! Um, but yeah, I mean, K2 is such a great character. What, what they managed to accomplish 
with immense storytelling, uh, yeah. with emotional investment, and with technology from behind the scenes. All of it, so well done. So yeah. well done, for sure. Um, let's see. Fun fact. The book mentions IGRM security droids, which are in the IG family. They, they the are. cousins. Uh, but are more importantly based off of the original concept for IG-88 by Ralph McQuarrie. Mm-hmm. I love re the repurposed Ralph McQuarrie concept characters. Yes, that's probably the best thing about Rebels is how much of Ralph McQuarrie... Now, yeah. again, well, not again, I don't know if we... I'm sure we've talked about this before. You know, Star Wars would not visually be Star Wars without Ralph McQuarrie. Oh, no. Several other artists, yes, but you have to understand yeah. that Ralph McQuarrie put his stamp on yeah. the Star Wars look first. Yeah. And, um... Didn't he do the original uh, design of the scene where Luke's looking at the Twin Sons? I mean, he did a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah. he, if, if not for his, um, concept art of C-3PO, Anthony Daniels would not have taken the role of C-3PO. Yeah, which originally was a lot more kind of like metropolis-based robot. Yeah, it was much more, I mean, you know, so, um, I don't remember the name, but the, the female droid from Spaceballs, the, yeah. the look that it accomplishes, yeah. that was much, you know, very Jetson-y, um, kind of period-based. Yeah. That, that was more what Ralph McQuarrie intended. It, yeah. it quickly moved more to the sort of functional, um, regard rather than the, uh, the sort of beauty aesthetic. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, uh, Ralph McQuarrie really captured Lucas's vision and, and gave it imagery and gave it, um, you know, what we know now, the look of Vader and, and so much more. Um, and so for, for Star Wars Rebels, especially, you know, um, Dave Filoni loves Ralph McQuarrie art and he's been inserting it since, uh, the Clone Wars. But yeah. definitely in Rebels, he took full helm, um, getting the Lasat species introduced um, using the old concept of the Chewbacca uh, species. Um, <laughs> One of my favorite all, pictures. All, all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and having Vader look that stylized McCoy yes. style. I love that. It is that. amazing. Oh my goodness. So much great stuff. So, yeah. So it's, it's really great when stuff like that is introduced. IGRM. Uh, they do appear uh, in in Rebels as well, and so that's really great mm -hmm. to see that used and to still keep it in the IG family um, yeah. and whatnot. Because it's still a very menacing look. It, it does look a little bit like the robot from um, Lost in Space, but yeah. like on steroids. Danger, um, Robinson. Danger. Yeah. So, uh, but again, that's that's where a lot of that in inspiration came from. So, yeah. So there you go. Um, moving on. Moving on. From there we go to battle droids. I just launched my mouse. Um, <laughs> not my mouse droid, because I don't have one of those. Uh, Yet. Battle droids. So the term battle droid can refer to specific model as well as a particular class of models. Battle droids ranged from the basic B1 series to the B2 super series, droid decas, tactical droids, tank droids, starfighter droids, and more. Yeah. Um, all of which were in major use during the Clone Wars, obviously. Um, the Droid Army of the Separatists, or, of the, or the Confederacy of Independent Systems, uh, were a culmination of several partnerships of various arms dealers and manufacturers. Uh, the wide variety of battle droids is a result of the wide variety of Separatist leaders and contributors. 
the battle droid, the B1 battle droid, uh, was the most common because it was the cheapest, and you could tell by how easily uh, destroyable it was, as well as how very simple their processing power was. They were very yeah. dim-witted. Your boy um, can get destroyed by light breeze. Yeah, but it led them to be quite uh, humorous, definitely. Definitely. Um, Nonetheless, in large numbers, though, they could be deadly. We do see that as well in the Clone Wars. Um, you know, they definitely go for quantity over quality <coughs> um, in their makeup. Uh, something that would be repeated by the Empire, actually. Yep. Um, 1B1 Battle Droid, however, was completely different from their programming, um, at least after they were reprogrammed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Roger, or R-O-G-R, uh, was a droid who loved his family and loved baking. Uh, he manages to be as sweet and helpful as he is cowardly and clumsy, uh, but Roger is a wonderful and fun droid, and while we aren't sure how much of his stories uh, and adventures are canon, they are certainly enjoyable. Uh, from Freemakers to Lego All-Stars, we, we can't get enough, and we really recommend um, you check out the stories of this wonderful little droid. Um, he, he's so lovable. He makes, so precious. He makes the Freemaker show so much more enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, we just, we enjoy any time he pops up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, having having the droid role of a team and a show filled by a battle droid, just very interesting, very different, definitely. Uh, very bold. Yeah. Um, but it works so well. Also, is it just me, or do uh, battle droids seem very easy to reprogram? I mean, All J-Bow. droids tend to be. Jabo in uh, Clone Wars. Uh, well, yeah. So um, what he did basically was he didn't so much reprogram as he wiped and then rebuilt their sure. programming. Um, but droids in general tend to be fairly easy if you know what buttons to press and, and yeah. you know what to prod. Then uh, you're you're liable to be able to um, reprogram the droid. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, it's not too capitalized of a plot point. We do see it here and there and whatnot, but, um, I mean, they're basically intelligent, thinking, walking computers, so it's not hard to imagine that there'd be a way to get in there. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, um, definitely, um, definitely a design flaw. I just don't know how you would necessarily prevent that. Yeah, that's one of those things. It's like, hey, there's really no way to stop this. So, whatever. We, unfortunately, cannot talk about all of the assassins and rogue droids that we would like to, but there are a few who are famous as... Like like we've said before, there are a few who are famous as bounty hunters, and we want to get to them on our bounty hunter podcast. Um, But we could not mention Roger and not mention his arc enemy or arc enemy arc. it you can say it both ways arch really? or arc oh. yeah I thought you were being funny wee woo grammar police Jesus I'm ju- I thought you were being funny <laughs> uh, or really the enemy of the Freemaker family as a whole M-O-C or Mach Mach was a one of a kind imperial hunter droid who was built by the emperor himself or designed at least his old. Yeah, I don't. I don't imagine he built it, but cannot. I, cannot. We're led to believe that he had a big hand in making mock. Yeah. I, I think it's just in design. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that for a few years Palpatine did not remove his hands from the 
the, the <laughs> arms of his armchair. He didn't seem to get out much, no. No, he did not. Or when they were not on the arms of his armchair, they were up here in a very... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I see him... You know, in KOTOR we see Sith uh, assassin droids yeah. and, and such, so I believe this is a, sort of a canon progression of, of that concept. Yeah. Uh, Mock is a bad dude. Yeah. And a unique character, for sure. Also, his name is also the acronym for My Original Creation. So, Dave Filoni, or no, he didn't do that. He didn't do the Freemaker, did he? Mm-mm. Who, the creator was basically like, OC, do not steal. Yeah. Um, which is regularly used to describe custom Lego creations. Very clever, Star Wars writers. I see what you're doing here. Yeah. yeah. If that wasn't what they were going for, then that's just a happy accident. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, some rogues, work, worth noting, are the mechanical and murderous pair of Triple Zero and BT-1. Uh, we mentioned that Anti-R2 earlier, and that would be BT. BT was the only known model of Blastromech, which... Yeah, it's, it doesn't that's sound... That's cute, it's, that's funny. <laughs> Um, That's why it was canceled. The name sucked. They just like, eh, <laughs> this mind. isn't working. Someone just like took off their shoe and hit the person who decided that over the head with it. And <laughs> the, like, no, we're not doing that. This is Jeremy. if, um, oh, the doctor from Phineas and Ferb. This is Doofenshmirtz. This is, this is what Doofenshmirtz would create, uh, and or, or what he would name it <laughs> if, if he was Blastro involved Machinator? in Blastromachinator. Blastromachinator. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen to these specs. He came equipped with buzz saws, missile launchers, blasters, and flamethrowers. Yeah. A lot of the same uh, equipment as an IG model. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they basically just put that into a R R series. I'm not sure why. Like, (laughs) I'm sure why because a a murderous R R series unit. I mean, come on, who wouldn't want that? But uh, yeah, they basically just took an assassin droid and put it. In, in that. Yeah. Um, and of course, R2 can't go on a murderous rampage as without his 3PO. Where there is an anti-R2, there is also an anti-3PO. Uh, that would be Triple Zero, who we met at... Yeah, we did. Yeah. We met at uh, Star Wars Launch Bay um, during the Galactic Knights uh, event at Disney. Yeah. Boy. I felt bad for the person in that suit. They yeah. were there for a l- they, they stood there for photos much longer than they should have, and oh, I appreciate that so much. I appreciate when cosplayers are very patient and, and uh, gracious people like that. Yeah, that's actually what ended um, my conversation with Blaine Gibson from Rooster Teeth, was he noticed Triple Zero <laughs> across oh, right, yeah. the way, and he, he was w- like, Ooh, Triple Zero! Yeah, he, he basically left, be- left us for a murderous droid. <laughs> that's um, fine, so. I understand. I, I see you, Blaine. <laughs> I know you. So... Um, without his programming matrix, Triple Zero is just a regular old protocol droid. But the Triple Zero matrix that was installed by Dr. Afra gave the droid his murderous programming. Thanks, Dr. Afra. Yeah, she doesn't really think a lot of things through. No, she does not. Both BT and Triple Zero have several have left several bodies in their wake and are worth fearing. And you can find out more by reading the fantastic Dr. Afra comics. Yeah, highly recommended. Yeah. It's great. Um, there's so much I could say about these two 
that happened in recent comics that I don't want to spoil because I want you guys to go read it. Um, but, yeah. Stuff goes down. Um, yeah. the, I, I love Triple Zero and BT. I love them as a pair. And adding in Afra as well as their kind of meatbag leader is just a great combination. And it's something yeah. that can only work in the Dr. Afra comics. We talk about that <laughs> a lot where Dr. Afra comic does some things that only Dr. Afra comic it's can beautiful. do. It's so I love Dr. Afra. Um, I love it though because now in Legends there was the C3PO X uh, which was a C3PO um, assassin droid. Um, so it's not too dissimilar. Um, a big plot was that it looked exactly like C3PO. It was gold and everything um, but it had red eyes and obviously had a penchant for murdering. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's not the first time we've seen murderous protocol droids uh, involved. I will say, I don't really see, think we've seen much of murderous astromechs because they're astromechs. Yeah. Uh, but they pull it off with BT here, um, and they're, they're quite the couple. Yeah, you get, like, an astromech droid coming at you, making his little sound. And you're like, oh, look at him. He's precious. He can't go upstairs. Right. And then all of a sudden, a buzzsaw. Right, yeah. Okay. Uh, and to be clear, this isn't like a, a engineering buzzsaw that R2 has. This isn't no. meant for cutting Ewok nets. It's this a murder buzzsaw. Yeah, <laughs> th this is meant to separate flesh from bone. <laughs> yeah. Um, Boy, yeah. howdy. Uh, these, these guys, uh, they're just so wonderful, so, so crazy, um, mm -hmm. and great characters for sure. Yeah, when he first told me about it, I was like, that doesn't seem very frightening. And yeah. then reading that little bit of the Dr. Afro comics. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> um, I will say that Triple Zero is the cause of death of many, many knowable characters, mm -hmm. um, some of which include the um, band from the Cantina Band. Really? Yep. Oh. So, uh, yeah, there's quite, a, there's quite a list of bodies that can be attributed to Triple uh, Zero. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't recommend enough checking out the Doctor Afra comics. They're, oh, yeah. they're great reads. They're very fun, especially the Doctor Afra annual number two with the Beast Hunters, the the man and Trandoshan wife, and just such a great issue. One of, <laughs> if I had to rank individual issues, that would probably be my number one favorite. I wow. love it so much, and it has like, it has so so minimal Afra, which is the craziest <laughs> thing about it. But it's so amazing, so great, so yeah. great. Uh, I, I recommend comics to you guys all the time. But yeah, yeah. Uh, eventually you'll Twitter. listen, check it out. But um, we love Doctor Afra yeah. in this house. That's that's my next cross stitch. <laughs> In this house, we respect and love Doctor. Exactly the yeah. the tragic and self destructive character, uh, with her murderous droids. Same. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, so our last section of uh, droid types, models, and, and such, we're going to close out with some of, uh, or at least one of our favorite. Uh, I enjoyed both of these characters for sure. Uh, you enjoy one with a, uh, a curiosity more than anything. You haven't read any of the stories he appears in, but mm -hmm. anyway, uh, enough of the um, exposition. But 
While uh, they're affectionately called uglies by Cordy Freemaker, these are some of the best droids because of their uniqueness and creativity in making themselves who they are rather than simply being manufactured or programmed. Um, uglies uh, are who we're going to talk about. We, and so to be clear, we're not identifying them that in a demeaning sense. That's just kind of a, a That's term. Just what they're called. <laughs> it's a term for droids that aren't what droids should look like coming off the manufacturing line. But in this case, we're celebrating that fact because these two characters do it very well. Uh, two great examples are Crater and L3. Uh, Crater is a droid cobbled together with parts from an architect droid, a probe droid, a protocol droid, and an astromech droid. Yeah. If you don't know who Crater is and you just heard me say that, it's going to be very interesting uh, what image you paint in your brain. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can just Google him, uh, read about him. Um, Crater was the companion of the Graf family who explored wild space, uh, wild space and later joined the Rebellion. Uh, Crater is very similar in some ways to C-3PO, but has his very own uh, personality as well. Uh, he's a really fun character, along with all of the characters in the Adventures in Wild Space series. Uh, if you haven't read it, it's a great read. Uh, it's by Kevin Scott, who did the wonderful Tales from Vader's Castle series mm -hmm. as well. Um, Which Crater shows up in. Exactly. Uh, and so, and Crater's fun and seeing him for the first time is definitely wonderful mm -hmm. uh you know again he, he's a cobbled together mess of a droid but it's so intriguing uh and it works so well it's so it it's so unique um but he's far less annoying than 3PO I'll say <laughs> uh but yeah I really I really enjoy Crater I know you when you were reading through and came across him yeah you, I believe my exact reaction was what yeah <laughs> What that? Yeah. He's definitely not your typical droid. Um, but really, really fun character. Uh, and then, of course, L3, um, on the other hand, is... You know, we say it for most of these characters, but L3 especially is like no other droid. Um, because of what she's made of herself. Yeah. Um, she began as an R3 series astromech droid, but over time she grew and upgraded herself uh, with parts of, and programming from protocol droids and navigational droid and uh, various other parts. Uh, and L3 clearly grew beyond her programming and the typical definition of a droid. Yeah. Um, you know, she goes from being an astromech to a, a, a humanoid, you know. Tall girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, she really shapes herself yeah. um, out. I love that concept of, dro oh, gosh, of droids yeah. upgrading themselves. Um, with her independence and freedom, she was determined to see that for other droids. Uh, droid rights became a regular uh, topic during her adventures with Lando until her droid brain was uploaded in the Millennium Falcon, uh, joining the other two droid brains that made up the ship's main computer um, after she was shot and um, died on a mission. Um, so this sort of gave L3 life after death in a way, but can, for some people, be interpreted as a very tragic end to a very, uh, free, uh, and, and, um, uh, free-thinking character. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, uh, L3 had an influence, um, with her self-made life, uh, and there's something to learn for both droids and organics alike in the life of L3. Uh, you make you more than anything else ever does. So exactly, um, you know, be careful how you're making yourself. Uh, make yourself into the best self. 
at the end of the day, as much as uh, experiences and uh, surroundings and situations and people shape us, uh, ultimately we are the ultimate authority on who we end up becoming. Yeah. Um, you want to hear the best advice I've ever heard? Be the person that you would look up to as a child. Mm-hmm. And it's good advice. Will Wheaton. Yep. Yeah. Smart boy. Very smart boy. Um, he's a pilot, you know. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's an engineer. He, yeah, and he was an annoying child on that one Star Trek show. Hey. Um, shut up, Wesley. <laughs> I'm going to kick you in the butt. Um, yeah, so with L3, like I said, a lot of people aren't a big fan of her end because of how she uh, became a part of the Falcon. And because of later episodes, we know that she continued to have intelligence afterwards. She communicates with C-3PO uh, in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Um, as a droid brain would, uh, you know, as a uh, computing intelligent um, thing would, mm-hmm. um, you know, she doesn't stop working because she's been uploaded into the Falcon. Um, but certainly it's it's different. Um, I never quite interpreted it that it was completely L3 in the Falcon. Yeah, I think that they may have just uploaded her nav computer. Yeah, it could be that um, that had uh, sort of glimmers of her personality attached to it. Um you know, because she herself had programming from several sources, so they could have easily just downloaded that section. Uh, but I've never inter- interpreted it as L3 is trapped in the Falcon after that moment, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think that what goes into the Falcon is completely L3. I know that Lando says the line of, you know, she's part of the Falcon now, but I don't. I've never interpreted that to be as literal as, you know... L3's trapped there. I feel like if she was, if that was the case, L3 would have taken over the Falcon and yeah, flew away. Yeah, she would have flown off by herself. So I definitely think she is there in essence, but it's not her. Yeah. Um, you know, it's sort of a, a capture of her. Yeah. Um, it's like Josie Packard's not really in the doorknob in the Great Northern. She's just a vision of her agony is, you know? That's still weird. <laughs> um, it's one of those things, so for, if you watch Doctor Who, one of my favorite episodes is um, the episode with uh, the Tenth Doctor, the library. Yeah. Uh, when he first meets River Song and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and basically there's a um, shadow-like, uh, well, it's not shadow, it, it's multiple microscopic creatures um, that basically eat people. Uh, and so, uh, they attach to you via shadows and then eat you. Yeah. Um. The Vasta Narada? Yes. There you go. Thank you. Vasta Narada. And so, uh. <laughs> quote me on that. What ends up happening, a big part of the spookiness of the episode is when people die, um, and yet continue to talk in a way, but all mm-hmm. they're doing is reciting previous Speak. words. Hey, who turned out the lights? Yeah. Who turned out the lights? Um. And so what the, what they explain is that uh, because they're using transmitters to communicate, um, somehow as they died, an essence of them was trapped in 
that technology, and, and it kind of just got stuck on refresh until eventually that went away. Yeah. There's actually a really sad scene where someone dies, and she's like, you know, she she's, hey, oh, I mean, it's just, it's it's an emotional scene where she's like, sad. she's she's dead already, but she, yeah. it's like she's real realizing it. Yeah. It, it's it's weird. Doctor Who's crazy. But watch Doctor Who. Yes, uh, especially <laughs> anything with the tenth Doctor, the best Doctor. Uh, um, I take that and raise oh, you okay, a ninth yeah, you Doctor. Love, yeah, you love the ninth Doctor. <laughs> I do love the ninth Doctor. And Mom loved uh, Matt Smith. Um, she I do love the eleventh Doctor as well. But he's fantastic. I'm attached to the Doctor I was introduced to because yeah. my first episode was Blink. Yeah. Fun this isn't a Doctor Who episode though. It can be. Fun fact: on our first date. We watched Blink together, and I think that's why you fell in love with me. We did. Um, fun fact, I mentioned the protocol droid Hu Yang um, in most of you probably, but if you don't know, it's just an interesting Doctor Who connection. Hu Yang is voiced by David Tennant. You're not in that episode of The Clone Wars yet. But that's basically all there is to it, is he's voiced by David Tennant. Um, but he's not the only Doctor, obviously. Uh, Tom Baker shows up as the Bindu in uh, Rebels. Did you not know that? No. Dang it. Uh, another fun fact. Uh, <laughs> Bosk's uh, suit is actually reused uh, from the prop department of um, BBC. I did know that. And first appeared in a Doctor Who episode. Didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. Um, Space boys. There's so many Doctor Who Star Wars connections if you get mm -hmm. out there. Anyway, so my point of mentioning Doctor Who was to mention, I, I kind of interpreted it in the sense that you know, when that person was speaking, it was a capture of them. It wasn't completely them. Yeah. Uh, and I think a similar uh, diagnosis can be made of how L3 is a part of the Falcon, but not completely trapped. Or not trapped not trapped at all, really. Um, you know, certainly she still has some intelligence and character to her, but I don't think she's um, completely her. Um, yeah. you know, uh, because it's the same thing of how, you know, you watch haunting films and, um, spooky stuff and spirits aren't quite who they once were when they were alive because yeah. basically they're an essence of that person that's trapped either through uh, very vicious means or through very, um, tragic means. And so they're, they're not the complete person they used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, they're a trapped entity of that person. Uh, and so I feel like it's more of that. It's part of L3, not completely her. Yeah. But that's just, that was my interpretation. Um, I mean, weeks later uh, is when this started really blowing up on the internet. And all of a sudden I was kind of thinking, because I'm like, I'm, I didn't regard it that way. That's interesting. Um, so... Yeah. But, I mean, and, and you guys may have interpreted it differently. There's no, certainly, we're not here to say a right or wrong way. Um, you know, and it's not to say that Star Wars storytelling is necessarily perfect and that if it is, in fact, that L3 is trapped on the Falcon, that that's not a tragic end uh, for a character who um, bolstered, you know, droid rights and independence and freedom and whatnot. Yeah. Um, that's I think... There, thing to think about. Yeah, I think there is still some tragedy to it. Um, yeah, definitely. But nonetheless, I believe L3 died on Kessel. Uh, well, not on Kessel. She died on the Falcon as they were escaping from Kessel. But nonetheless, she died 
doing what she believed in, freeing droids, liberating and, and giving them the idea of, I don't have to be trapped. I don't have to be a yeah. servant. I can just be me. Yeah. Uh, is and that's what that's all L3 represented. Yeah, and knowing the respect that Han has and you know, Ray also as well that the respect that they have for the Falcon. And I think part of that comes from Han knowing hey, there's a little bit of L3 in there. Yeah. Cuz you get into some interesting conversations of well, if Lando loved L3 and L3 is part of the Falcon, why would he just let, you know, Han take the Falcon and everything? He, you, the look on his face when he realized that Han just won says, like, yeah. oh. But and that that but that's part of why I think okay if if Han, if if Lando's not just losing his mind that his best droid friend just got won in a game yeah then he clearly has some knowledge of it not being completely L three in a way yeah. you know he has some comfort there to know that he's not he's not betting his friend he's betting his ship yeah that has an essence and memory of his friend yeah i think that he did cry gently in his cape closet afterwards though yeah that's my that's my lando headcanon hashtag so um sorry to get under the deep depressing stuff um you can let us know what do you think of l3 uh what do you think of all the different droids that we talked about what are some of your favorites are there some we didn't mention that you love certain model a certain character yeah let us know on the twitters and the facebooks um we would love to hear from you um but with that we'll move on to ending the show with our q a mm-hmm. yeah let's get started so on twitter we asked you guys, what Star Wars planet would you live on if you could? And Mark Hatfield said Mandalore, but Kashyyyk is a close second. I I would also like to cuddle up with the Wooks. Yeah. The Wookiees are very, very fluffy. Mm-hmm. Give great hugs. Yeah. Echo said that Kamino, uh, they love the sound of the rain. Same. I would sleep all the time, though. Accurate. Uh, yeah, no she one agrees. cares what you think, Pat. Uh, I almost said Padme. <laughs> what, what the heck? Why did you almost call our cat Padme? I don't know. She is not pregnant. Biglet. She has never been outside. No, of no one wants life. to hear your opinion. I mean, I do, but after the podcast. Uh, Maria said Lothal. Lots of room for Loth cats and Loth wolves. Very true. Rebecca, the city girl, said that she wants to live on Coruscant. Yeah. The city diplomatic politics girl, maybe. She can be queen. Can you get the cat, please? I will throw everything I have at the cat. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Michael Johnson said either Kashyyyk or Endor. Cuddling with the big fluffy boys or the little fluffy boys. Yeah. And then Emery Geddes uh, said Coruscant as well, um, because that's where the party is. Yeah, it is. Um, and... Coruscant's just definitely too busy for me. Um, too much going on. I can't... I I would love to live there. I imagine there's a lot of great shops. Got a lot of great restaurants and whatnot. You want to buy some death sticks? But I definitely would not live there. <laughs> definitely not. Uh, it, it can be very beautiful, as most of the planets yeah. in Star Wars. Yeah. So, 
Did you just answer where would you live? No, nope, I did not. I just answer I commented me. on what I would where I would not. <laughs> answer me. Where would you live? Um, probably either Lothal or Naboo. Um, it's the perfect mix of um, wide open spaces and fields and scenery. Yeah. Uh, with um, city enough city to be functional and not have to worry about things and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, and I I probably have a summer home on Kashyyyk. <laughs> a summer a summer tree house. Yeah. Just cuddling up with the Wookiees. Yeah. Good relationship with the Wookiees I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're cute. Um, you stole one of my answers. I would love to live on Nebu. Mm-hmm. Because it just seems so beautiful. I mean, you got these long rolling hills of grass and beautiful water landscapes. Yeah. And, the and Gungans are underground, so you don't see them very often. <laughs> um, and Theed. And Theed. A beautiful, beautiful city and palace and whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, most of which was accomplished by use of landscapes in Italy, so technically you could live in Naboo. Technically. Um, I'd have a summer home on Hoth. See, there it's just hot. too much. I would I would say maybe, uh, well, no, Ilum's too uninhabited. Ilum Defoe. Um, probably Orto Plutonia, because I could hang out with the Tolls, maybe. <clears throat> if I had to pick a snow planet. Yeah. I want to hang out with a wampa. I would just basically have a house on Every everything planet. but Tatooine <laughs> or Jakku. Because you hate sand. Or Geonosis. Yeah. I hate, well, I hate peoples. sand and dry heat and uh, pig-faced people that want to fight me in bars and such. I'm one of the systems. I don't remember the number. <laughs> so I just sort of mumbled it. Um, Ryan on Twitter asked, What new Star Wars video game... Would you like to see, and could it be open world? Um, thanks for the question, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, we only asked one. I, you, I thought I thought we asked uh, two questions on Twitter, but apparently we only asked one. Yeah. Um, um, let's see. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Because I have an answer. Go ahead. Do it. I want to see another bounty hunter <laughs> game. <laughs> I want an open world bounty hunter game. I want a game... About bounty hunters that open that's open world. No, I want... I, I yeah. can't quite get what you want. I'm not okay. quite getting it. Follow me. Follow okay. me. I like bounty hunters. Uh-huh. I want a game about uh, people who take jobs. You following? Uh-huh. To kill other people or bring them in alive. Uh-huh. I want that in a video game. Uh-huh. I want the video game uh-huh. to be open world. Uh-huh. You follow me? Still not following. <laughs> Does anyone know how to curse a real sword? <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I want something kind of like the Black Brotherhood, uh, the Dark Brotherhood, something like that. The Black Hand, the Dark Brotherhood. Um, in the Elder Scrolls series, where mm. you take a bounty and then you go either kill that person or bring them back to whatever godforsaken planet wants mm-hmm. them. And I just love that concept. I love killing people in video games, John. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, I definitely so want... I like GTA. <laughs> I want something open world uh, eventually. I definitely yeah. think that's something that could be done very, very well. Uh, yeah. Do you think a No Man's Sky type game would work? I would think more Elder Scrolls style. Mm-hmm. Um, I think No Man's Sky would be too much. Um, I-, I think we would go for so much scale that we wouldn't get a good story and game. 
Um, I like it more where there's a clear story, but there's several options for side quests available. Oh, yeah. uh, for instance, like you were talking about where you know there's a certain cantina that you can go and get uh, various bounties and yeah. then travel to certain planets and get get that. Yeah, um, replayability is very important with games like that. Uh, I've played Skyrim maybe ten times and still haven't done all of the quests. Yeah, so now the difficult thing with Star Wars and open world concepts and Skyrim style um, is that it's very difficult for it to be now, again, it would have uh, its storyline, but it's yeah. very difficult for it to be a solid canon story because it can change from character to character. Yeah. Number one, your gender can change, your appearance can change, your species can change, uh, and then how you per how you uh, invest yourself in certain mm -hmm. parts of the story could change outcomes. So, And I think Skyrim kind of does that well in their lore, kind of referring to... The Dragonborn only as the Dragonborn. Mm -hmm. No details, anything like that. Yeah, so, and that's where the appeal of... Now, <coughs> they're doing the show, The Mandalorian, but something like that, like a yeah. title that would you could get behind would work very well. Um, mm -hmm. And just, you know, if they just decide that there's certain key elements we want to happen in this story, and then the rest of the way the character fills out. It could work. Uh, it's very different from anything that Star Wars has ever put out in a game, um, even in regards to KOTOR and whatnot. Yeah. But it could work. I would love something like that down the road where you can just explore the underworld. You could come into contact with Jedi or you could come in contact with Sith depending on what bounties you take or yeah. what missions you take or where you, you know, decide to explore. But um, that there's a clear story to it as well. Um, so I agree that would be amazing. That would be something I'd love. Um I'm trying to, I, separate from that, going to the more straightforward, these are your missions, this is your goal, this is what you should accomplish, this is how the story ends. Should you choose to accept it, yes. I would love for what Star Wars 1313 was going to do to be a game. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't necessarily have to follow Boba Fett as it was intended to with Star Wars 1313, but certainly... Um, the idea of being a underground character and having this just outbound underworld story would be great. And that, you know, I'm the type of person, I love open world, but I also love straightforward, linear, yeah. one, two, three, you're done games as well. Um, so I, I kind of like both. Yeah. Um, either one would make me very happy. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it's interesting to wonder when we'll get another Star Wars game announcement. We're, we're constantly getting updates with Battlefront, of course, um, yeah. and uh, Jedi Fallen Order is coming out probably 2020. Yeah. Uh, because if they're not giving information until E3 next year, it, I'd be surprised if we got a fall 2019 release. I'd imagine more of a spring 2020 release, but... Yeah, I think Star Wars could do with a good RPG. Yeah, Definitely. I mean, Star Wars works for so much. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you could easily have a Clone Wars base-to-base um, uh, -base kind of combat game, kind of like Halo Wars, mm -hmm. uh, but with clones and Separatists. I mean, yeah. you know, reenact certain battles of... Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, cause not in the sense of Battlefront, where you're, you're 
straightforward third-person shooter, uh, but, um, you know, just do the simple of, hey, set up a base, yeah. deploy your troops, blah, yeah. blah, blah. I mean, and it can even do, we can do a full uh, Clone Wars game where you're playing as either an individual clone or a clone battalion, mm-hmm. going on recon missions, fighting in battles. Yeah. Maybe, d- based on how you perform in the game, maybe some of your battalion dies. Mm-hmm. Which happens a lot in the Clone Wars, for Pete's sake. Right. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, there's so many ways that they could go with um, doing a Star Wars video game, for sure. Yeah. Um, Maybe even a Fable-type game, where your actions depend on whether you're light side or dark side. Yeah. Um, well, Which, and that's, yeah. Very similar Unleashed. to Force Unleashed. <laughs> um but I'd love a, a full game concept on that kind of style. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there, there's a great... Imp- and, and that would arguably fit into an open-world style, but, you know, there's a great factor of playability and enjoyment when you give it... give choice completely over to the player. Yeah. Um, and let them choose. Light, dark, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. So... Yeah. Very good question. Um, you guys can... Uh, Answer the question as well. Let us know what what kind of Star Wars game you would like in the future, um, and and uh, what you would want it to be. Yeah. Um, we'd love to hear from you as well. You can always submit questions to us at any point on Twitter and um, Facebook. Uh, you don't necessarily have to wait for us to ask you for them. If you have yeah. a question, just add us uh, or uh, message us. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, on to some announcements before we uh, close out. We will be, um, again, this week was a little weird. We rearranged things, but rest assured that Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday shows will be happening Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It'll all be back on schedule, and we plan to stay that way um, until further notice. Uh, <laughs> right now, we're not planning any um, uh, holiday breaks or anything like that. Um, no you know, sleep till Brooklyn. We're, we're going to uh, be more proactive in pre-recording um, which is what we suffered from this week, not doing well enough. Um, but we're, we're a young podcast. Be patient with us. We're learning. We're a podcast? Podcast. What's... Podcast. Who John? Podcast. What's a podcast. Jedi's favorite Italian dessert? Obi-Wan cannoli. <laughs> Funny joke. No. <laughs> uh, Women of the Galaxy Part 2 is next week's main show. Yeah, um, it is. This time we're focusing on the villains. Um, Bad ghouls. If you'd like to see a particular villain, let us know. Uh, Bounty Hunters is the week after that. Um, we've been mentioning it uh, for quite a while. It's going to coincide with uh, our introduction to Cad Bane with the Clone Wars arc. Um, that's why we have been uh, putting it off. Uh, but we'll talk about all kinds of great Bounty Hunters then. Uh, and then special guest Ben Knight is the week after that. Um, a couple weeks ago we played uh, one of his songs on our main show. Uh, this coming week we'll play another one on our main show. Mm-hmm. Um, dude's got great music and he's a really fun guy and we look forward to spending some time sitting and talking with him about Star Wars stuff and his sort of geek journey and whatnot. Um, and then um, we have... Uh, shortly after that, um, we have Christmas, Christmas week. Currently, we have nothing scheduled for the 26th. Uh, uh, we haven't decided on what we want yeah. to do for that. 
So we're going to be in an ATL. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we will be on vacation, but obviously, like I said, we'll pre-record. Uh, so let us know. What what would be some of your suggestions for a Christmas episode? Uh, what would you like to see? What would you, or, well, what would you like to hear? Um, <laughs> give us some ideas for that. Uh, we're, we're looking for it. Um, you can also send us uh, hello. Um, I mentioned uh, in last week's main show, um, if you'd like, you can send us a little shout-out and a little hi um, in MP3 or MP4 format, um, and we include it in the show. So if you ever want to do that, uh, yeah. we'd love to hear from you and include you in the episode. So you can email us at nerdherdercast at outlook.com and send us that, or you can just email us anytime and uh, send us your suggestions for episodes, for topics, answer certain questions, ask certain questions, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. Um, don't forget to rate and review. Uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes, um, make sure to let people know you love it by giving us a, a review, five stars, four stars, whatever whatever you think. Uh, let people know that you love us. Share us around. Uh, if you're a fan of us on Facebook, if you follow us on Facebook, if that's your primary form of seeing us, uh, you can rate us on Facebook as well. Please do that. Uh, we'd love for other people to know what you think of us. Um, and just anywhere our podcast is available, if you have a rate feature, uh, be sure to do that. If you listen on Spotify and they don't necessarily have a, a rating feature, uh, if you wouldn't mind, just head over to iTunes give us a rate there. Let, let people know. It really helps the show grow and puts us out there uh, and gets us more uh, members of the herd. Yeah. Um, and as members of the herd, you have uh, the opportunity to help us make this show. Um, yeah. We uh, have a Patreon, and we would love if um, you checked it out and considered supporting us there, helping us create this content and to grow this content as well. Um, uh, your support can go quite a long way. Um, for just a dollar a month, you can help make things happen and also get extra content like next week's uh, Patreon exclusive show um, 10 Things We Love About we're going to be talking about The Phantom Menace talking about 10 Things We Love About The Phantom Menace and each month that's going to be posted on Patreon and it's going to feature different um, episodes we're going to go from Phantom Menace to Attack of the Clones to Revenge of the Sith and so forth and so on and that's just one of the things that we're going to be doing with uh, Patreon as a reward and exclusive. We're also thinking about doing a Christmas Patreon giveaway. So, um, if you want some, uh, love from Nerd Herder for the holidays, then, uh, check us out on Patreon and consider being a part of that. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Send our cats to college. Uh, we can only get, a, get so far with this free labor stuff. Uh, eventually we have to start paying these cats. Um, but, uh, yeah. If, if you'd consider doing that, we'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, other than that, I don't think there's much else. Um, hopefully you're already following us on Twitter and Facebook and all that good stuff. If you're not, do that. Check out all that stuff. Mark your calendars for all the things we've talked about. Got some awesome things happening. And don't forget, we want to hear from you what you thought about the episode, what your favorite droids are, what game you're expecting, what are some ideas for Christmas, all kinds of stuff. Blow us up. We'd love it. Uh, if you're just all up in our notifications. That it? That it? Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so I've been your herd leader, John Wayne. And from across the room, I've been your herd mom. Herd mom who? 
Megan. Oh, okay. I, I thought Herd Mom was just your name now. Uh, anyway, so you guys stay scruffy, and may the Force be with you. Bye.